Thank you, Tony. Good morning, Christ Church. Great to be in service and worship with you uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and find your Christchurch notes. They're there in your worship program. If you can pull those out, I'd appreciate that. You'll want to find a pen or a pencil. I think maybe if there was ever a week that you will want to take notes, that may be to this week. Uh, beginning a brand new series, beginning a brand new series called The Freedom of Living Generously. I'm going to be talking to you about some biblical principles today uh, and over the next couple of weeks that I believe have the, have the, uh, have the opportunity to really be life-changing for some of you. You know, these are tried and true biblical principles uh, to, to help get you financially healthy. You know, I practice these principles and apply them into my own life. So I'm not telling you anything that I don't do in my own life on a regular basis, on a daily basis, I practice these principles. So you'll want to find that pencil or a pen and get your notes out. You know, uh, I was I was thinking this week. You know, I was uh, I I follow the the ups and downs of the stock market and um, I in, kind of enjoy seeing what's going on. You know, and you know if you follow that like I do, you'll see articles from hedge fund managers and and bank presidents and uh, and uh, other fund managers and. They never seem to know exactly what's going on. Uh, you know, there is always so much conflicting news. You know, just last Friday, the S&P 500 was at a record high. The NASDAQ at a record high. The Dow Jones was only 14 points away from a record high. And yet, every single solitary day, there is an article by one of these financial experts that are uh, predicting an impending doom and gloom here just on the horizon. Just, just over the next hump, you know, we're going to dive deep into recession. And yet, the very next day, there's another group of financial experts that are predicting uh, that we're going to ride this wave for another uh, couple of years. I mean, it just seems that nobody can agree on anything when it comes to uh, what's going to be happening in, uh, in our financial picture. Well, having said that, I can tell you there is one person who knows what's going to go on, and that's the Lord. Jesus knows what's going to happen. He, he understands the principle of financial management. That's Jesus. He had a lot of say about financial management, too. In fact, uh, the scripture teaches us that the way we manage our financial house really is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. God has a lot to say about this kind of stuff. In fact, listen to this. This may surprise you. In, in Jesus' most famous stories, the famous stories he told, matter of fact, they're called the parables, parables. Did you know that over half, over half, over 50% have to do with material possessions of some shape and size? More than half of the famous stories Jesus told had to do with material possessions. So there's a lot of material here in the scripture that tells us how to, how to, uh, how to keep from getting into debt and how to, then how to stay out of debt, how to live financially healthy within uh, the freedom of generosity, and how to control your money so that your money doesn't control you. You know, that's important stuff. 
And Jesus dealt with that over and over and over again. So today, where are our biblical principles coming from? Right out of the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 25, one of the most famous stories that Jesus told. It's in parable as well. And it's called, listen to this, it's called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. Now, you need to be aware that that so often this particular passage that I'm going to be speaking about today and teaching you the biblical principles from it is very, very often misunderstood. And the reason why it's misunderstood so often is because Jesus used the word talent. You know, when you and I, when we hear the word talent, what do we think about? We think about the the abilities, the spiritual gifts that we have, the things that we're naturally good at doing. But, you know, and that's a certain type of talent. It is true. But that's not what Jesus was talking about at all when he mentioned the talent. In fact, when Jesus was speaking about the word talent, he was referring to what is translated now into an old English word of, uh, and that old, uh, that old uh, English word is, uh, well, it's a phrase. It's a money of, it's a, excuse me, it is a measure, an ancient measure of money. A talent is an ancient measure of money. More specifically, listen, more specifically, it's an ancient measure of gold. Now, every talent, just one talent, now listen to this, was worth, and during that time when Jesus was speaking, an average of 20 years worth of income to the average worker. So one talent, you hear this? One talent was equal to 20 years of wages to the average earner. Now, let's imagine for us that we earn $50,000 a year. So one talent would be worth $1 million. So two talents, $2 million, right? Five talents, $5 million. It's kind of important that you understand that in order to understand what Jesus was teaching right here when, uh, when he begins telling the story in Matthew 25, beginning in verse uh, 14. So listen to this. First of all, let me set it up for you. Beginning in verse 14, Jesus is telling the story about what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And he says, there was once a rich businessman a rich businessman who was going to go away on a long journey. And because during that time there were no bankers, uh, all your wealth, all your money, all your possessions were kept at home. So what did he do? Well, he had three servants. This rich businessman had three servants. He called the three servants together and said, look, I'm going away on this journey and I, I expect y'all to manage my possessions well while I'm gone. So he gives each one of the servants uh, a portion of his possessions. To, to one of the servants, he gave five talents. Now, five talents in today, if we're averaging $50,000, is what? It's $5 million. Yeah, so he gives this one servant $5 million. Then he gives another servant two talents, or two million dollars, and then finally he gives the last servant one talent, or one million dollars. And then he says, look, when I get back, you and I are going to settle accounts with one another. So he leaves, 
and then he comes back and he settles these accounts. Well, two of the guys managed the money well, one of the guys managed the money poorly, and so then Jesus draws spiritual truth from that and teaches us some spiritual financial principles to get us financially healthy. So, let's dive into the story, discover these biblical principles of getting financially healthy together. Here we go. First verse, Matthew 25 verse 14 says this, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Now, in that underlying phrase where it says entrusted his possessions, I want you to circle the word his. Circle the word his in that underlying phrase. Entrusted his possessions. Circle the word his. So, if we're talking about money here, whose money are we talking about? The servant's money? Well, no, right? We're not talking about the servant's money. And we're talking about the owner's money, the businessman's money. Uh, the money belongs to the owner. In this case, it's the belonging to the master. And the owner is giving the money to the servants, lending the money to the servants in order for them to take care of it. And you know what this is called, by the way? It's called stewardship. And stewardship is that old English word that means manager. So if you're a manager in your professional life or, or if, you, uh, uh, if you manage something in your professional life, well, then you are a steward. You know, God calls us to manage a lot of things. He calls us to manage our time, our talent, our money, our health, our relationships. He calls us to manage all of these things well, to steward them well. So, Jesus is saying here that uh, the businessman entrusted his possessions to him, which is the first biblical principle of financial management, and that is this. It is called the law of possession. The law of possession, which means this. Everything I have belongs to God. That's what this means. Everything I have belongs to God. So let's get this off the table and settle this right now. You know, everything that I have, I know belongs to the Lord. It's not my money, it's God's money. And you may say, well, come on, pastor, hold your horses a minute. I, that's my money. I earned that money. Well, yes, you did. But where in the world did you get the talent to do it? Where did you get the energy to do it? Where did you get the intellect to do it? Well, all of those things come from God. Where you got the energy to do it, all of that comes from God. Everything that we have, you have, I have, is uh, on loan to us from God. It's a gift from God on loan, yet God owns it all. You know, I was thinking about this. I, when I was born, I didn't bring a single solitary penny into the world with me. In fact, I don't imagine you did either. Uh, I was at the birth of both of my children. And you know what? Neither one of them were birthed with a satchel full of money. Not one of them came out with a satchel full of money. And it's quite a shame. You know, we could have used that to pay the hospital bill. But neither Taylor nor Hunter were born with a satchel full of money. We didn't bring a single solitary thing into the world. They didn't bring a single solitary thing into the world. I don't imagine, if your kid did, please raise your hand. I'd love to meet you. But I don't know of anybody who brought in a satchel full of money when they were born. Now, on the flip side of that, you can imagine, I've done hundreds of funerals. I've done hundreds of funerals. And as far as I know, nobody's ever taken a cent with them. 
Nobody's ever taken a cent with them when they leave this world. In fact, you know, uh, the old saying is you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? Well, except that one of our church members did send me this picture just recently. I don't know where she found it, but she sent this picture to me a few weeks ago. There is a hearse pulling a U-Haul right there. I know it negates the principle here, but uh, the truth is you just hardly ever see uh, a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? You know, anyway, the point is this. You only get to use what you have while you're here. That's the point. You only get to use what God has lent you while you're here. That's it. You only get to use the gifts that God has given you while you're here. It's God's money. He loaned it to somebody before he ever loaned it to you. He loaned it to you for 80, 90 years, something like that. And then when you're gone, when I'm gone, God's going to loan it to somebody else. You know, it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to know it. And the reason why is because we forget and we begin to think that it's all ours. And you know, here's the deal. You know what a sure sign of the fact that you have forgotten whose money it is? The moment you begin to really worry about it. The moment you begin to worry over and over and over and over and over about what you got is the sure sign that you don't know whose it is. Because this is God's money. He's lent it to us, God's gifts. He's lent his resources to us. It's God's gift. Worry is a sign that you think it's all yours. And you know, if you'd remind yourself about that every day, that, that what you have belongs to the Lord, you're going to worry a whole lot less. You will worry a whole lot less if you just remember whose it is to begin with. Let's look at the next verse right here. It's verse 15 story continues. To one, to one servant that is, to one of the servants he gave five talents, to another two talents, to still another one talent, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. This brings us to the second spiritual principle, the second spiritual law of getting financial healthy, and that is the law of allocation. The law of allocation. What does the law of allocation mean? It means that God has loaned me money. That's what it means. That God has loaned me money. That first principle is that, you know, that uh, is the law of possession, that it all belongs to God. Second, the law of allocation is that God has loaned me money. He's loaned it to me. You notice that here in the scripture that everybody got something. Everybody got something. One got five, one got two, and one of the servants got one. Well, you know, it's obvious that we're not all equally wealthy, right? I mean, we're not all of the same economic status. We're not all of the same, uh, have the same wealth. You know, we're not all in that same uh, uh, status. But Jesus tells us that there are no no-talent people. This is the point here, that there are no no-talent people. In Jesus' story, everybody got something. 
Even the one guy got one talent. And if you remember, equivalent to 20 years of, uh, of wages for that guy. I mean, it was not a pittance. You know, again, in today's, in today's uh, example, it would be worth about a million dollars. One guy gets two talents, another guy gets five. The point is this, everybody gets something and there are no, no talent people. No, no talent people. Look at the verse here, verse 16. The servant who had received the five talents immediately put them to work and gained five more talents. In the same way, the servant who had received the two talents gained two more. But the servant who had received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and look what he did. What did he do? He, he hid his master's money. He hid his master's money. Now, let me point this out to you. First of all, I want you to understand here that, that money is always a tool to be used. Do you hear me? Money is a tool to be used. You use money and you love people. All right? That's important that we get this squared away. That you use money and you love people. If you screw that up, you're in a peck of trouble. Because the moment you start loving money is the moment you start using people. You got to use money and love people and not the other way around. Not the other way around. You know, so what happens right here is that uh, in this verse, he gives money to each servant. Two of the money, two of the servants put the money to work. One of them digs a hole and buries it in the ground. Folks, let me just say this before I go on. M money, money, is a, uh, money is a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. It is a wonderful servant when you use it, but it is a terrible, terrible, terrible master. Now, here's the point here. Folks, you get to choose what you do with what God's given you. This is the point. God has loaned me the money, but God doesn't say, this is what you got to do with it. No, he allows you to choose what it is you do with the resources that God gives. That's the point here, that you get to choose what you do with the resources that God gives to us. Now, we don't get to choose what we get. That's for a fact. We don't get to choose what we get, but we get to choose what it is that we do with what God gives to you. Now, when you get to heaven, you know, God's not going to say something like this. Why in the world weren't you more like your mama? Or why in the world weren't you more like your dad or, or your brother or your sister? Why can't you be more like your sister? God's not going to say that at all. He's not going to compare you to anybody. But according to the scripture, God seems to be saying, or Jesus seems to be saying, that what God is going to do is going to say, hey, well, what did you do with what I gave you? You know, you, you had the choice. I loaned you the money. What in the world did you do with it? How did you use it? Did you use money and love people, or did you love money and use people? Did you allow money to be your master or did you allow money to work for you, to be your servant? You know, God wants, you to, God wants to know what you did with that which you were given. So what can you do with the money God lends you? Well, you can, you can waste it, you can spend it, you can hide it, you can sit on it, you can hoard it, you can do all kinds of stuff with it, you can invest it. 
You can use it. You can make it work for you. Lots of things you do. But Jesus seems to be saying right here that you're going to need to give an account to the Lord one day sometime about what you did with the gifts that God has given you. In fact, check this out. Matthew uh, 25, 19. It's the 19th verse in our story. It says here, After a long time, the master of those servants came back or came and did what? What did he do? Settled accounts, right? He came back and he settled accounts with them. Circle the word accounts. Circle the word accounts right here. What is this? This is the law of accountability. The law of accountability, the spiritual principle of accountability. And that is that one day God's going to audit me. There is. Thank the Lord he's not like the IRS. There is grace involved, praise the Lord. Uh, but one day, God is going to audit me. That's what it seems to be saying right here. God one day will settle accounts. The, the judgment will, uh, will be like a final exam on our lives. What did you do with what you were given? Look, you know, and I, and I was thinking about this. You know, God has made an investment in all of us. God has made an, a, a, a sizable investment in every last one of us. He's given you gifts and abilities and skills and talents and opportunities. He's given you a certain amount of resources and ethnicities and freedoms and intelligence and all of that kind of stuff. The question is, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with it? And one day when he asked you that question, what in the world are you going to say? Well, you know, Lord, I, uh, I went to work, I made a lot of money, I retired and then died. That's how I got here. Uh, wrong answer. Okay, wrong answer. Don't answer that way on your final exam. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. The right answer is that God gave you these things. I took these things and I used them, Lord for your honor and for your glory. I tried to make my life this living sacrifice for you. You know, here's the, here's the thing. God didn't put you on this planet to use everything for yourself and hoard all his resources. That's not why we're here. You know, a few years ago, I used to see, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I used to see a bumper sticker uh, with some kind of regularity that says the one that dies with the most toys, what? Wins, right? That's what it says. One, the one that dies with the most toys wins. You know, I, I, theologically, you know, frankly, that stinks. Uh, because the reality is the one who dies with the most toys still dies. Yeah? And wastes his life to boot. The one who dies with the most toys still dies and often wastes his life to boot. Again, the law of accountability says one day God's going to audit me. Notice the responses of these three servants. Ready? Look, verses 20 to 21. Here it is. The servant who received the five talents came and brought five more talents. And he said, Master, you've entrusted me with five talents. Or, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, goodness, well done, absolutely. That's a 100% return on investment right there. This dude can manage my money anytime. You know, 100% return on investment. Look what the second guy did. 
He also got a great return. Verses, uh, verse 22, the servant who received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more talents. And his master said to him, what did he say? Let's say it together. Well done, good and faithful servant. Another 100% ROI, return on investment. Now, this third guy is a little different story here. Uh, he does not have a very good report share uh, because he didn't use wisely what his master had given him. Matter of fact, here it is, verses 24 to 26. Then the servant who received one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. Okay, stop right there. Right now, he's trying to turn the tables. He's trying to put the blame on the master. He's trying to blame the master for what he did. Okay, I know that you're a hard man trying to blame his boss, reaping where you didn't plant, gathering where you didn't scatter seed. Since I was afraid, stop right here, afraid of what? Of losing his master's money, right? He's afraid of losing his money. I went away and hid your money in the ground. In other words, I buried it. I buried the talent. I buried the funds. See, you have what's yours. And his master replied to him, or answered him, look at that. Goodness. You wicked and lazy servant. My goodness, I hope I never hear that out of the, word, out of the mouth of Jesus. You wicked and lazy servant. Folks, now, look, you know, I know, you know that Jesus didn't tell stories for no reason, right? I mean, he always told a story for a reason. Always, always, always. And this last guy, look, he's trying to blame his boss for burying the resources that he was given. Trying to blame the boss for his own mismanagement. Trying to blame the boss for his own failure. And, you know, the reality is, you know, folks, we do that all the time. People do that kind of mess all the time. It's always somebody else's fault when we've screwed up. You know how it is. It's always the government's fault, or it's always our parents' fault, or it's always our boss's fault. Or sometimes we even, well, not just sometimes, often we blame the Lord for the mistakes that we made. Matter of fact, check what wise old King Solomon had to say about this in, in, in Proverbs 19.3. Well, actually, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then what do they do? Let's say it together. Blame the Lord, right? <laughs> right. We ruin ourselves with our own stupid actions, and then we blame God for it after we've done something stupid. Oh, God, why in the world did you do this to me? Oh, come on. You know, we, we got to put on our big boy and big girl pants, and stand up to the fact that sometimes we just make some stupid decisions and we need to own up to it. It's not the Lord's fault. The Lord doesn't cause us to buy things we can't afford or do things that we shouldn't do. But yet, often he gets the blame. Just like this story, right? The guy goes away and buries the talent, you know, in the ground and then blames the Lord 
excuse me, blames the, uh, the businessman, the master, his boss, for his own failure and his own mismanagement. Brings us to the fourth spiritual principle, and that is the law of utilization. The law of utilization, which means this, I must wisely use God's money. I must wisely use it. I must wisely use the money that God has entrusted to me, the, 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 the financial resources that God has entrusted me with. God expects me to use what he's given me. And that's, 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 that's just flat out the way it is. God expects us to use what it is that he has given us. You know, he didn't call us to hoard it or sit on it or hide it or bury it. In fact, I like to say it like this. Money is like manure. It's like manure. It's really great when you spread it around. It causes things to grow. But if you stockpile it, it starts to stink. It's like manure. If you spread it around, it'll cause things to grow. You know, here's the third guy. This third guy buried his master's money. I mean, do you think his, do you think his boss was pleased? <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. In fact, he called him that wicked, lazy servant, right? You know, frankly, yeah, I probably wouldn't have used those words uh, if it was me. It sounds a bit too strong to me. But the point is this. Jesus is saying, look, your failure to use wisely that which you've been given, the point is it's a serious sin. It's a serious sin when we've failed to use wisely what God has given us. You know, why does Jesus tell us this story? It brings it right back to this. Okay, why did he tell us this story? He told us this, I think, because he'd never put any of us here to squander what he's given to us or to mismanage what he's given. He expects us to put what he's given to us to work. Remember, the money is that tool to be used. We use money, and what do we do to people? We love them. We use our finances, but we love people. I'm going to close right now. We're going to have communion and come around the Lord's table here in just a moment. But I want to close by asking you this. You know, if, if, if the Lord was to do an audit of your financial house, you know, what, and give you a grade, what grade would he give you? Would he give you an A or a B, maybe a C or a D? What would he give you if he were to audit your financial house right now to see how wisely that you are uh, responding to the use of the money that he's lended you, has loaned you? You know, whatever the grade is, look, whatever that grade is, my goal as your pastor this week and over the next couple of weeks is to help move you up on the grading scale. I want you to understand the biblical principles that God has put together to help us be able to live generously, to help get us financially healthy. You know, because if 50% of the experts are right, you know, the financial experts, there is a, a gloom and doom on our doorstep. You know, uh, we're, we're liable to go into another recession, you know, uh, six months, a year, whatever it may be down the road. 
But if we can prepare now to be biblical stewards of the money God's given us, to be wise and godly stewards over the way we manage our finances, then I can guarantee you this, we'll be able to go into that period in a way that will not crush us. But we've got to start the process now, putting the biblical principles in play in our own life. So as your pastor, I'm praying that you're going to learn these principles and apply them so that you're become financially healthy. And one day, one day, whenever that is, one day that you too will hear from the mouth of the Lord, well done, what? Let's say it together. Good and faithful servant. That is what I long for our Lord to say to you and me. Let's pray. God, <clears throat> you know, I, I realize now that everything I have belongs to you. That nothing is really mine. You've just simply loaned it to me. And when I'm gone, you'll loan it to somebody else. And I realize that everything I have is a gift from you. And one day, it'll all return to you. I understand, Lord, that one day you're going to ask me what I did with what you gave me. And so, Lord, I simply want to wisely use what you have given to me. What you've loaned me. I, I want to learn more of these principles of financial health so that I will be healthy and not only physically healthy, but fiscally healthy. Because you're concerned about every aspect of our life. Not just one thing or two things, but every aspect of our life. You want us healthy. And so, Lord, thank you for, as the author of these financial principles, thank you for teaching them to us so that we may make wise and godly decisions with what you have given to me. Lord, we know that really unmanaged finances are simply a symptom of an unmanaged life. So right now, Lord, I pray that you would come be my life manager from this day onward for I want to follow you and I want to be more like you. And I want to live the kind of life that you have designed for me at the time of my birth. Thank you, Lord, for your loving grace that never ends. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.